All right. All right, everybody's heart is now ripped out right after that. If you didn't cry or get a little steamy over that, oh man, you need help. I'll just send that to you and let you watch it again this week. Well, it is my honor today to uh, have my mother, Diane Woodard, here with me today for Mother's Day to uh, join me today. And uh, uh, Tressa, go ahead and take this picture. I, I, I did not want to forget this, so we're going to... This, this might not ever happen again, so y'all just excuse us as a family moment to get this picture. Thank you, and thank you guys for hanging on through that. Well, many of you who have been a part of our church family and a part of, of our family uh, for, for many years have known my parents. We've been a part of, of this church family since 2001, and, and uh, anytime they're here, you guys love on them and welcome them like they're, own, like they're your own. And, uh, and a few years ago, we're going to talk about this morning, uh, my mom has, and still goes through a, a very serious uh, health uh, issue that we're going to talk about today is she's going to share her story and uh, I want to tell you this morning why I uh, wanted on my first Sunday uh, my first Mother's Day as your lead pastor wanted to ask my mom to share the stage with me uh, one is because you all have been so kind to us who have been a part of this church for so long and have been invested in her story and even when we moved away for three and a half years, you would still message and ask how she was doing. And uh, you have, have been so key in that. And uh, I let her know that. And, and y'all have prayed for her and lifted us up and been a part of that. So I want you to hear that story. But another reason why I want you to hear her story today is because her story is your story. All of us, no matter if we're husbands or wives or teenagers, we all go through unexpected things in life. You're going to have that thing. And those of you who've been on this journey for years, you know those things come along and you get that phone call or that thing that happens that you weren't planning. Uh, and, and right now, uh, David and Melissa Long are teaching a Wednesday night class called Jonah, A Life Interrupted. And anybody ever had your life interrupted by just life? Just kind of nod your head at me. You know what I'm talking about. As I think her story today can relate with all of us in, in where we are at and, and what happens in life. And so I wanted her to share that today. So we're going to do this a little bit different today. We're going to do this as a, as a conversation and kind of like an interview. So um, we're, we're just, I'm going to ask her some questions, and we've, we've talked about these, but this is just going to be like if I was, the only difference is that you don't have a ton of food in front of me like we normally would if we were at home and I was sitting on the counter and you were cleaning up, and as she's feeding me, she's cooking something else. And so uh, this is, as I was thinking about what this moment would feel like, I, I kind of thought about that. So um, thank you for, for coming today and being a part of this day. So I want you to just kind of, it is Mother's Day, so kind of share with anybody who don't know you, tell them your, your mama, uh, grandmother resume. Thank you first for having me today. I um, have been married 52 years. When I've been married, we celebrated 52 years on, uh, on uh, Christmas Eve. Yeah, we did. We got married on Christmas Eve. And uh, we have two children, and you know 
our son Les and our daughter April. They're actually miracles. We were married six years when he was born and we didn't know if we'd have a child or not. One Wednesday night in prayer meeting in the altar, the Lord spoke to me and said, you're gonna have a baby. And on the way home, I told Roy, I said, we're gonna have a baby. We had even talked about adoption, which is wonderful, but God said, you're gonna have a baby. That was in October and the next November, Les was born, and then two years later, April was born. So they're miracles. We have six grandchildren. Our youngest one is 13. And, you know, when you have a grandbaby, they're so precious and they're little and they're just so sweet to love on. But I love my 22-year-old just like I do my 13-year-old or did when they were three days old. They're precious. We love them so much. Well, thank you. We all take that as a compliment, right? Um, now, tell us a little bit about your mom, because great moms often happen because they've had great moms. And, um, and I want you to tell us a little bit about your mom. What's one thing that she instilled in you that you know has stuck with you through over 45 years of being a mom? I had a wonderful mom and dad. I was very privileged to be raised in a wonderful Christian home. I was raised missionary Baptist. And my mother was um, a very genteel, loving lady. We didn't have a lot. Uh, my dad had a little grocery store, gas station. But my mom was uh, one of those that could take a, a sow's ear and make a silk purse. And she was a very um, gifted seamstress. And she made sure that we had plenty of clothes. We were never hungry. We never went without. And she also made sure that we had respect for ourselves. She taught us great respect for others, but we respected ourselves too. Um, she was just a blessing. She lived a Christian life before us. She didn't have to tell us all the time about living right because she just lived that before us and loved us so much, and we were blessed to have her. I probably could have said four words and stopped with describing my mom. Her sons-in-law loved her. And my husband often said that um, he had a lot of respect for her because she always treated me like an equal, like an adult. Even though I was only 18 when I got married, she didn't try to tell us how to do anything. She never got in our business and she never tried to tell us how to raise our children. She just loved us, and they loved, loved her so much. I hope maybe some way I have patterned my life after her to some degree. I'm sure I never reached that. I'm sure both my children could say I've been in their business before. Um, <laughs> good mamas get in business, right? And it's like what the end of the video was, you know. She said, how long do you have? She said, what was it? Forever or something like that. I'm just getting started. What was it, Cody? How much time do you have? So as a mom, how much time do you have? It doesn't end, right? You're always a mom, right? Eat, mom, grandma, it doesn't stop. Um, before we really take a, a serious turn with this, think, I, you know, with all the kids and grandkids that you have, what are some of the funniest stories because moms and grandmas always have funny stories, right? So what are some of the funniest uh, stories that you have? I won't do your pastor too bad. 
he, when we um, brought April home from the hospital, he just loved her to death. He's always loved children and little younger children growing up. He, he's always loved them. And he just loved this new little baby sister. So when she got big enough that it was safe, he would crawl in the crib with her and play with her in the crib. She's probably about 10, 12 months old. And they'd spend hours playing in the crib. And one day I walked by the, her bedroom and the smell of baby powder was overwhelming. I stopped and walked in and she was standing, hold on to the end of the crib and he was standing over her with the baby powder. All I could see was the blue eyes. She was totally white from head to foot, literally. A few months later, it happened again. After that, the baby powder was banished from the house forever. No more baby powder. Your pastor always has loved a guitar. He got his first guitar for his first Christmas. He was 13 months old. Do we have any Porter Wagner fans in here anywhere? He loved Porter Wagner, and when he was a year old, he had his little rocking chair and his guitar, and every Saturday night, we had to be at home, and he sat and watched Porter Wagner for 30 minutes. He was, he was blessed because he got to meet him in person when he was about three. He came to Smithfield, and we took him to see Porter Wagner, and he sat in his lap, and we've got pictures of him sitting in Porter Wagner's lap. But he also loved to preach at a very young age. And our daughter has been saved a thousand <laughs> times. <laughs> he would get up with his guitar and he would preach and she would have to come. Our, our hearth stands about 12 to 15 inches off of our floor and that was the altar. And she would have to come down to the altar. Sometimes he would even get his cousins in on it if they were at the house. And when no one was available, he would line up Pepsi bottles and preach to them. <laughs> so that's my stories of my children. I'm going to get some Pepsi bottles and put them on this front row. Man, I don't even know what to say after that. I forgot those stories. Well, we're going to kind of take a turn here. Um, in 2010... Uh, February of 2010 I remember where I was I was in my office right there and I believe I was heading out for the day and my phone rang and she called me and said I got some news to share and uh, and and she had gotten a, a health diagnosis uh, that just kind of brought all of our world and especially hers and dad's to a screeching halt so I want you to kind of share with us about that part of, of the story where where that starts first of all I have to say I had a wonderful support network my husband is never left my side. He sometimes is too cautious with me, I think. My children, Les, would come up or in Virginia come down and be there for me. And my daughter took a month off of work one time and was there with me. My sister was with me. I had then the church, my good friends and extended family, and this church, as well as other churches, there has been at least a million prayers prayed for me. And I, I appreciate that, and I didn't want to miss that. I was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. I had never heard of it before in my life. It's really a, um, a blood cancer, but it's frequently called a bone cancer. And it originates and mutates in your bone marrow. The um, average, bone, average um, 
plasma cells in bone marrow or 5% and mine was 90, which means it had really mutated to a, the worst it could be according to my oncologist. And um, your bone marrow travels all over your body just like your blood does in your veins. It travels through your, your bone marrow, travels through your bones. And so it eats the bones. And I was Swiss cheese from my scalp to my feet when it was diagnosed. Um, so I went, you know, had to go through a lot of different tests and things. Uh, but uh, that's, that's what multiple myeloma is and that's what it does. Now, the way the doctors, she went to Duke, which is one of the finest places, so we were so blessed that they live about two hours from Durham. So she was able to get treatment at Duke, and one of the first things that they decided to do was to give her a bone marrow transplant. And, uh, and I just want to ask you, you know, she was, she was told how difficult that transplant would be, and she'll share a little bit about that. But what did you do knowing that you had something like that? And, and we've all been there, or you will be there with yourself or a family member when you've got something ahead that you know that's coming, that's going to be a, a life changer for you. And you, one of the things you think about is, you know, how am I preparing for that? But one of the most important things is how do we spiritually prepare ourselves to go through those types of times? And, and how did you spiritually prepare knowing that was coming up? Multimyeloma is incurable. Eight years later, it is now called chronic cancer. And so it's come a long ways in eight years. Um, I, like I said, had a lot of prayers, people praying for me. But for myself, God came, gave me a calmness, and I, I was able to call Les. He'll tell you I wasn't crying. He gave me a peace that passes all understanding, just like the Word of God tells us. Our children were raised in a Christian home. We, we, had, we took them to church every time the doors were open, two-week revival. We were there every night. Um, we had prayer with them at night, and we, we um, had Bible verse. We read Bible stories to them and read the Word to them. But in the business of life, all those years with two children to raise and working and going to church and and everything a mother does, especially back in the 70s and 80s, because we, we cooked all the time, you know, we, there wasn't places like they are now to go out to eat. And um, I had failed miserably in my personal relationship with the Lord. Yes, I prayed, and yes, I read the Word, and yes, I went to church, and yes, I was with the children, and I was a Christian, I was. But I did not have that deep, personal relationship with the Lord that I needed. I got in the Word. I was already in Bible study and church with ladies Bible study, but I got in the Word and the Lord gave me scripture after scripture after scripture that it looked like it was just for me, just personally for me, speaking to me. And I wrote them down on index cards and I put them in a little notebook and I would take that little notebook with me, just a little notebook the size of an index card, and I would take it with me everywhere I went. And when I'd go for chemo, I would have my notebook. When I went for tra most by transplants, I've had two, one in 2010 and one in 2014. And when I went for my transplants, that little notebook opened the door. People would say, nurse would say, what are you studying? I'm not studying, I'm reading my scripture. I'm, I'm reading what God has provided for me to give me strength and faith to get me through 
what I'm facing. And, and I have said, and I didn't plan to say this, but I have said something that my husband don't like to hear me say. I thank God that his plan for me, and this was his plan for me, was multiple myeloma because I am so much closer to him today. He has used this to draw me so much closer to him, to know him personally, not for what he can give me or for what I can get, but to know him on an intimate level. And one of those scriptures I want to share with you because it meant so much to me. And it's Isaiah 58 and 8. And it says, Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Well, I wrote that down and I took it with me to do. Because it said my healing would quickly appear. Oh yeah, Lord, let's bring it on. Let's bring that healing on. Well, the only way you recover from a transplant, stem cell transplant, is to walk. The doctors tell you that. You will never get well if you don't walk. So after I was home and all my caregivers had gone back to work or, or back home, I, um, I would get out and walk in my yard and walk up and down my driveway just to get out of the house. And I was out there walking one morning and the sun had come up and we have woods behind our house and the light was coming through the woods. And I got to that scripture, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. And the Lord stopped me and he said, now you've looked at that for long enough. I want you to look at the rest of that scripture. And his spirit said to me, your righteousness will go before you. And I said, but Lord, I am not righteous. And I meant that with all my heart. I said, I'm filthy rags. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And even more than that, I'm a Gentile grafted in to the family of God. And he showed me about three days later, like I would do, I just opened my Bible, and there was a scripture telling me how, yes, you are righteous by and through the blood of Jesus Christ. So now, here I am, and one of the songs this morning, mm, my daddy taught me that we stand on the rock of ages. And the rock of ages is Jesus Christ our Lord. And standing on the rock was in one of the songs. So I'm standing on the rock of ages. Now my mother read Bible stories to me, and I love the stories about angels. And I knew I had a guardian angel. And then in my later years, I learned about the angels that warned the heavenlies against Satan's demons for our souls. Every person in here, the angels war in the heavenlies for you. So I have the righteousness, my righteousness is before me, and the glory of the Lord's my rear guard. And it was like that morning, the Lord just spoke to me and he said, I've got you covered. Angels, the rock, your righteousness, and the glory of the Lord. You know, one of the things that you were just sharing, I, I remember when, when she first started going through this, those index cards. And uh, when, when you've had somebody in your life who, like my parents have both been for us, who've always spoken into us and poured into us and are always encouraging and lifting us up, and then they go through something then you realize that you need to be there to lift them up and to encourage them. And I'm, and, and, and I'm a 
pastors so I should have all the answers in my mind I'm thinking that and I just I don't even know what to say you know and the first time one of the first times through that process when we went home you know she hands us all index cards with scriptures on them and I'm just thinking what I'm just a loser you know here she is she's going through it and she's handing me the word and, and that, as you were saying that, I, it, the Lord kind of reminded me of that. And I think that's a reminder. And I think it's just an example of how when you, when you are eating and feasting and consuming the Word, even in your darkest, most difficult times, God uses the Word to empower you. That you can empower others, even when you're going through some of your toughest times. I've seen many of you go do that. When you're going through dark and difficult times, and I, I've said before, one of the greatest joys of being a pastor is being able to stand up here and watch and know your stories and see what you're going through, but still come in and connect with God and hear the Word and worship Him and pour out your heart to Him, even though everything in your life didn't turn out exactly like you would have planned it to. And that's just the Word working, because the Word works. Amen? And uh, that's what kind of comes to mind. I, I know you've had a lot of miracles over the years that, that you have said many times. That, now this, I'm going to tell you about this. This was a miracle. And I'm going to tell you about this. This is a miracle. So share some of those miracles with us. I will, but he fixed me a tape um, that I took with me for my transplants. And when I would lay down at night, I'd put my little earbuds in. And I would play that tape. And I almost lost it this morning because one of the songs that Tress had picked out was one of those songs that, that was on that tape. I said, Lord, I can't lose it this morning. i got to get out there and talk. But anyway, when I hear those, it reminds me. So that was a blessing. So I've had so many miracles. I've had to choose which ones to share with you this morning and uh, not take up too much time. When I was diagnosed... The uh, doctor, my primary care doctor, and my oncologist said, the radiologist says that the bone above your left knee is so thin, and that's what sent me to the doctor, was pain in my left leg and weakness in my left leg. It is so thin, if you do not have a steel rod put in it immediately, it's going to break in two with you simply walking across the floor. And the Lord just let me know I wasn't supposed to do that. And my family went along with me. The doctors weren't happy. The radiologist called three times. The third time when my oncologist said, you might as well not call anymore because she's not going to have it done. He said, well, then she'll walk across the floor and her leg will break in two. He was angry. I guess he probably watched for my name to come up at the hospital for a while that I was in with a broken leg. I never babied that leg. I went on many trips. I went to Israel and walked on very rough terrain, and my leg never bothered me anymore. The pain was gone when I made that decision. The weakness was gone from that leg. And so I just knew that God had just blessed me so much with that. Well, then in 2016, I uh, started having a little pain in that leg again. And I went back to the doctor six years to the day on a Friday. 
like it was the Friday that he said, you have multiple myeloma. And I said to him, it's been six years today to the day. He said, don't say that to me. Please don't tell me that. Did an x-ray and there was a tumor back on that same spot that had been so weak. And we are blessed, multiple myeloma survivors are blessed that multiple myeloma tumors uh, work very well with radiation. They respond very well to radiation. So they sent me full radiation on that tumor on my leg. It took care of it, but it also weakened the bone. And I was messing around, playing around with my youngest little dancing granddaughter. And one morning before she went to school, the day before they had had a little program, fifth grade program, and uh, did 60s dance music. So I was showing her a little jump and I said, uh-oh, that didn't feel too good. And I don't know that my family knows this. And when I went back to the doctor, I had fractured that leg. Well, six years down the road, I find out why God impressed on me not to have a steel rod put in that leg. Another miracle. I went to the oncologist, uh, orthopedic specialist at Duke that operates on nothing but bones damage from cancer. He came in and he looked at me and he said, Miss Woodard, I have no idea how in this world you have walked on that leg for six years and it hasn't broken in two. I said, thank you, Lord. You opened the door. I had been walking through them a lot to the point Roy said, you need to take an um, offering bag with you and take up an offering. <laughs> so I gave my testimony very briefly to the two doctors sitting in my room. And I told him how steel rod and I refused it and God had taken care of me for six years. He said, you did the right thing. If you had the rod put in your leg, it would have broken in two and I wouldn't have been able to have repaired it. In other words, I would have lost my left leg. So God was so good. Now that was a miracle. Um, I was told I had to have um, blood transfusions early on that even with chemo, I kept improving. The nurses were stunned that I didn't have to have it done and my numbers improved even with chemo. Uh, I didn't make any notes. I just want to talk off the top of my head so bear with me. Uh, but then another major miracle that I had, and I've had a lot of small ones like going for my transplants. I should stayed four to six weeks. I came home in two weeks and three days and two weeks and two days. Yes, I was very, very sick, extremely sick, but my body was accepting the transplants and all those numbers were looking great that they look at in your blood work. Very blessed. 2017, the myeloma kind of changed characteristics on me and it stopped showing up so much in uh, my blood work, but it started showing up as tumors. And they found, I having some health issues, went to the doctor and they did an ultrasound and found that I had a tumor the size of a softball in my lower pelvic area. Well, I've told you, radiation, you know, it takes care of those. But I was having other issues that sent me to a urologist. The urologist said, I've looked at your um, ultrasounds and your um, CAT scans, 
and that tumor has grown around the tube from your left kidney to your bladder, and your left kidney is dead. Even to my own uneducated eyes, I could see on the, he showed us the uh, ultrasound results, and that kidney was totally gray. There was no color in it at all. He said, and furthermore, they found that your right kidney is only operating at 80%, and I think that's probably due to the cancer. I can't really tell why, but you're going into kidney failure, and we weren't expecting that that day. And we're going to have to make some decisions today because it's going to be so sudden, you're going to be calling me on an emergency basis, and you've got to make decisions today what we're going to do because there's going to be some surgery involved. So he gave us our options and we made the decision. And I don't think we spoke on the way home. I, I think we were both, Roy and I were both so overwhelmed and trying to get, think this thing through in our own heads that we, I don't know if we even spoke on the way home that day because we weren't expecting that. He said, fin the doctor said, finish your radiation and in four weeks after you finish radiation, we're going to do another test for you on you, a special kidney test that will tell us more where we're at, and we will um, we'll know better about our decision we've made today. So the tumor was gone with the, the radiation and went for the, um, the next um, test and um, went back to the doctor, and he came in the examining room, and he said, well, I've looked at the results of your tests, and I'm amazed, but your left kidney is operating on 20 at 20%. And also, the testing shows that your right kidney is an inherited birth defect. It's never been better than 80%. You've lived all these years with no problem. I don't see any more problems. I don't see that it's going to affect you. Everything we talked about at the last visit is no longer even necessary or even to think about. I praised God for all his blessings and so many miracles. And he looked at me and he said, you have had a miracle. When I went back and I talked to my oncologist, oncologist about it, I said, he told me I had had a miracle. I said, but you know after eight years, he and I have gotten to be pretty good friends after eight years. I said, you know after eight years that I've had a lot of miracles. And for the first time in eight years, he acknowledged. He looked at me, he said, yes, you have. Yes, you have. I don't know if it was during that time specifically, but I remember one morning I was driving to the church and, uh, and she called. And, and mom's always that glass half full most of our moms are dad sometimes we don't do that good but but she's always the one who's picking everybody up and I, and she i got a little scared one morning i was driving to church and and we were talking and uh and i could i could hear a fear in her voice and she was telling me about what was going on and i and i remember her saying this was probably during that time over the last sometimes the last couple of years and she said, um, I'm just so scared about what's going to happen or something like that. And she said, I feel, and she says, I feel like I should be more spiritually strong than I am. 
And I thought, my goodness, you know, you've been carrying this thing for years and you've been carrying us through it for years. And, um, you know, sometimes we think, and I know she would say this, and, and, and I'll bounce this to her, but sometimes we think that because we know what the Word says, that we're supposed to go through those seasons and those times unscathed. And sometimes we feel like that we shouldn't have fear. We should just say, well, well, God, you said it and I believe it and I'm going to put it on the shelf. No, we're human, right? Everybody's still flesh and blood. And you're going to battle, as long as you're in this body, you're going to battle between what the Word says and what your flesh says. It's like a tug of war, as long as you're living. And I want you to speak to, during some of those darkest times, when you were feeling that tug of war, even though you had made it over many mountains, because we need to know this uh, and, and kind of hear from somebody who's, who's been there. During those darkest, toughest times, during that tug of war, what, what pulls you through to the, to the light and just to lean on the Word? After both my transplants, um, it was tough. It was hard. You... Uh, you can't be around people, only your caregiver. I couldn't even see my grandchildren. They couldn't touch me. Um, Les came and we were in the yard and they stayed at my daughter's house. Um, and so you're isolated for, for weeks and weeks and weeks because you have no immune system. There's enough bacteria on a single blueberry, even though it's been washed, to, to have killed me. So that was difficult, and you don't want anything to eat. Uh, you have no moisture in your mouth whatsoever, and there's a taste there. I lost 20 pounds after my transplants. Um, so that was difficult, and there was one particular time that I would have liked to have laid down on the floor and died. But God and, and his presence and prayers, prayers and encouragement from my family. It, it got me through that. And, and I could read and I could pray. I could get up and walk, 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 what I had to do. Um, but my darkest time came following my surgery on my leg. I have a titanium plate and 10 screws in this, and cement in this left leg above my knee. And I couldn't walk and I couldn't get up, and I couldn't get out. Um, even in, you know, I'd walk in the yard like I told you I did after my transplants. And I really got very low, and I had a very dark time. And I felt like a failure. For the past six years, at that point, everywhere I turned, People would say, you are the strongest Christian. You have the most faith that I have ever seen. I could not have gone through what you've gone through and have the, the outlook that you have and have the faith that you have. And I was always quick to say, it's God. It's not me. It's God. But I'm ashamed. I was ashamed then, and I'm ashamed to sit before you today and say, tell you, I couldn't pray. Reading scriptures didn't help me. 
And even though my righteousness was before me and the glory of the Lord was my rear guard, Satan who comes at us in ways that we can't see because if he came at us in his red suit and his pitchfork, we would say, I plead the blood of Jesus. You can't come at me. And he can't come. He can't go past that blood. But I couldn't even do that. And I was so low. And I was ashamed. And I wasn't calling on people to pray for me. And I wasn't calling the best friends I have in this world to pray for me because I was embarrassed that I was in that shape. And I didn't even want my family to know, but Roy and April knew because they were there and they saw it. Tara and April out of the frame and she called me one night to check on me, eight o'clock or so, and she called me back. She said, Mama, don't be mad with me, but I've called Pastor Matt and Karen and they're on their way to your house and I am too. I said, I won't be mad with you. And my pastor and his wife came over and they prayed with me that night and encouraged me. And I owned up to it and I said, I'm ashamed, but I'm a failure. I am a total failure. And they tried to encourage me. And then I said to Roy, I said, I just think if Les was here, if he was here, I'd be okay. But he couldn't be there. I said, but don't you dare call him because I don't want him coming up here five miles, five hours, driving like a wild person. But Roy did call him. And, and he took a little time, uh, several hours, I'm sure, and, and he got himself together and he prayed and he called me. And he read a lot of scriptures to me over the phone. And then he prayed with me. And he, he helped the Lord, honored his prayers and honored him. And um, it, it was a blessing. And I came out of it. And, and I came out of it rather quickly. Uh, but I have a feeling now for people that go through dark times and feel like they've lost it. I was, a, I was still a Christian. I, I knew I was. But I was in a dark, dark place. Dark place. We're coming here toward the end. I want you to, to share, um, you know, when you go through something like this, I know it has changed your perspective on how you communicate with people who you know are going through dark times. And people that you meet at the cancer center where you volunteer and are, are there when you get your treatments. Um, you know, the Word of God tells us that there's two ways we overcome. She just mentioned one of them, the blood of the Lamb. And what's the other one, church? The Word of our testimony. And see, the enemy, what he wants to do is, is what he did to her. And that silence our voice. Because if he can get us quiet, then there's not one more person who's communicating the faithfulness, truth, and love of God. That's why there's such power in your testimony. And, and I just want to say, you may, you, please don't compare your story to hers. Your story may be greater and bigger or it may be smaller. 
no matter what your story is, your story is yours, it's unique to you, it's what God has blessed you with. And God, when, when we place our lives in His hands, I believe this 100% with every part of me, when we place our lives in the hands of God, He will use our story to put us in the right place at the right time with the right people. And you will find yourself telling parts of your story and sharing your life in moments that you, you have no idea how or why you were doing it. But it's because of what we call divine appointments. Where God divinely puts you in the right place at the right time. And I was telling you guys about, it was about two months ago, it was two months ago this Sunday, the second Sunday in March, when I told your story, Sister McClendon. I told him about what happened when that that, that young girl walked into your room that day and you were at the nursing center and you were going through rehab and you, you shared Jesus with her. And she told me last week when I went to see her, she said, I'm staying in touch with her. And, and she continues to call me. And here she is having hip replacement surgery, laid up in a hospital in Savannah, and a girl comes into her room to serve her, and she leads her to Jesus. I can't sit down anymore. Hallelujah! I'm sorry. I can't, I've been still all I can be. I'm going to sit back down. Lord, you about making me want to shout. Good Lord of mercy. But that, Hey guys, it doesn't matter what your story is. God wants to use your story where you're at with your family to reach somebody else for Him. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. Don't compare your story to somebody else's. Whatever, wherever you are in the journey, good, bad, or ugly, know that God can use your story to reach somebody else. Can I hear a big amen? Do y'all believe that? That is so true. And I, as, I, as I scan the room and I see your faces, your stories run through my mind. And I just, it's just so powerful. We talk about loving our city and that's the way you do it. And, I, and I've seen her do it. How she's loved her city everywhere where she goes. It's amazing the divine appointments that God has opened for her. And as we kind of come to a close with this, I just want you to share how that part of it, how your experience has changed the way you share your story and, and, and have those opportunities with people. Jack, give us some music. Absolutely, it has. It's changed me tremendously. I was very um, quiet when it came to a, talking to anyone, sharing my testimony with them before cancer. Uh, afraid I would say the wrong thing, afraid I wouldn't be able to answer their questions if they were not a Christian, um, wouldn't have the scripture for them, so I'd just be quiet. But I'm not quiet anymore, and I'm very quick to share my testimony. I walked into the bathroom at the Adult Bone Marrow um, Transplant Center in Duke one day. We were there just to have a, a checkup. And I walked in, and there was a lady in there just crying, just crying. And I walked up to her, and I said, I'm a transplant survivor. What can I do to help you? What's wrong? What can I help you? And she said, my husband is so, so sick. And, every, you know, everybody doesn't survive. Some people's transplant don't take. 
Others only last for a few months. I, I have a friend I, that hers only lasted, she multiple myeloma, hers only lasted a few months. And within a year, she was dead. I put my arms around that lady. i never seen her before. I will never see her again. I don't know her name. And I prayed for her and for her husband. I could have never, ever done that before cancer. Never. That's why I thank God his plan for me was this. His plan for you, whatever you've gone through, small, big, in between, he wants you to use it for his glory. My mom died with Alzheimer's. If you haven't walked in those shoes, don't say what you'll do. I can relate to people who are going through that with their parents. If you've not walked in the shoes, you can't relate. But I want to ask you today to please get in the Word of God. Don't let Him have to stop you like He stopped me. Don't let Him have to get your attention that way. Whatever you're going through today, if it's financial, it's marriage, if it's your children, I don't care what it is, health issues, there's an answer in the Word for you. But you've got to find it. And if you don't know the Word, you'll have a harder time finding it. He'll do for you what He did for me. He will just show it to you. If you open that word, he will show it to you. And he'll help you. And he'll give you answers. He'll give you the grace. He'll give you the strength. And he will give you peace in the biggest storm you have ever been through in your life. But that is in his word. And as you read his word and you get close to him, he'll speak to you. I've never heard his audible voice. No. And you can think I'm crazy all you want to, but he talks to me through his word and through his spirit a lot. Because I search for him and I look for him. If you have to get up an hour earlier, get up an hour earlier whatever it takes. And let me give a little advice. It's Mother's Day. Mothers, grandmothers, take time in the morning. If you're a stay-at-home mom or if you take your kids to school or you're there with them for breakfast, I know some it's just not possible because you leave before your children do. While they're eating breakfast, read the Word to them. Read a story that, Bible story that fits their age. And pray with them. Don't say, now we thank you for the food. Amen. Pray with them. They'll go to school with that as a last memory of the morning with their mom or their dad. If you're there, it'll mean the world to them. And it'll mean the world to you. Get in the word. Grandmothers. 
You can do the same thing with your grandkids. Live by example. You don't have to pour it down their throat. Pray and live by example. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's pray together this morning. God, we are so grateful today for your presence that's in this place. God, you confirm your word and you confirm what you do by your presence and your grace that's here today. And we are just so grateful for that. And Lord, all over this room, there are many needs in the lives of mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. And God, you see every one of them. God, we pray today, Lord, that you would send great grace, strength, comfort, awareness of your presence, Lord, in, your, in those lives today. God, I pray that we will become more dependent upon your word. Lord, that we will look to your word as our source of strength every day to depend upon it and look to it, God. And Lord, we thank you today for mom's story that is all of our stories. A story of grace, a story of your abiding presence, and a story of determination along the journey in the good times and the bad. God, we just praise you today for that. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask us all to stand this morning. And I want to ask uh, all the moms. Well, we're, I said that wrong. I want to ask every lady, every woman in the room, teenagers included. I want to ask all of you to come up here. I want us to close together in prayer. So every lady in the room, if you're a mom or not, we want to ask you to come and come up close today. As I, as I look in your faces today, I, I'm truly overwhelmed because as I said a moment ago, your stories run through my mind. The good things, the difficult times, the things you don't understand all the things that God is doing in your life, the ways that God is using you, women, and young women, to be light and example in this community and in your work. The testimonies. 
that I see in front of me of God's faithfulness and goodness. It's overwhelming. Some of you stand here this morning and where you are in your story is kind of where we've been in those places where you don't know how it's going to end. You don't know what's going to happen next. But you're praying and depending upon God to come through and provide or heal or save or reach a grandchild or a daughter or somebody. And I want to say something to you that you know is true. Our God is faithful. He doesn't always write the story the way we would write it. And, and I think a powerful part of what you said this morning, and boy, we've lived it in other ways, are the, the times where somebody didn't survive. Everybody, everybody's story doesn't look like this uh, eight years after a diagnosis. We all have friends and family members who we, we went to their funeral and we, we prayed and we read the word and we read those cards and we did everything we knew to do. But God said, no, I'm going to do something different. I've learned that it's even in those times. And even in the things that we cannot understand that God, we don't always have to understand. The word says his ways are higher than our ways. And you know what? I need a God who is higher and bigger and stronger and wiser than me because he sees the whole story and knows the whole journey he knows where he's taken me I want to say to those of you who are here today and you may say hey I'm not where I need to be today with the Lord his grace you know how much you love your kids mamas you do anything in the world for them The Word of God calls us His children. So just like you know what you would go, the lengths you would go to, to love and care for your child. Oh, you may say today, Les, I've gone too far, been too bad. I'm, I'm just kind of here because it's Mother's Day. Oh no, you're here because God again today, one more time, wanted to say to you, I love you, I care for you, I have a plan for you. You cannot go too far that I can't reach you and pull you back. The love of the Father for all these mamas and mamas to be down here one day. God loves you. You may be here today and you're standing here and your, your marriage is just barely hanging on. Can I tell you, you're in good company. You're in company. If your marriage is barely hanging on, you're standing up here with other women who've been married 5, 10, 15, 20 years, 40 years, 52 years. Every honest person who's been married will tell you they've gone through seasons where their marriage barely hung on. Here's the answer. Don't let go the good and the bad times don't let go hang on through those difficult times the grass isn't greener on the other side hang on and trust God and you'll make it 
And to those of you who are standing here today and you've got a doctor's report or you're going this week to a surgery or a doctor's visit or whatever it might be, I can't predict what's going to happen through that. But I can predict with 100% certainty that when we walk with Him, He said, I will never. There's not a lot of things in life you can say always and never to, right? But God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Even when you're on the floor and you feel like, I, I, I'm just ready to quit. He's still there saying, I will never leave you or forsake you. Women of God, be encouraged today. Your Father loves you. More than I could even try to tell you today. So I want to pray and ask the Lord to Lord help me to pray a, a prayer that will cover everything that we've just said. Our God's a big God. And in this moment together today, He can heal marriages. He can rest, restore relationships with Him. Whatever it is that, that, that you come here today with, maybe you're praying for your children or your grandchildren today. Maybe you're, maybe you're just praying, you know, hey, you say, hey, I need to be a better mama today. I'm just reminded of that. I want to pray for you today. And mamas, y'all don't mind touch. And the, the men, we can't do this next month with, with Father's Day, but we just can't do it. But y'all mamas, hug on a mama and grab a hand or something before we pray right there together. And let's pray together. Men of God, are y'all still here? Men of God, can we pray for these women who are so important in our lives? Men of God, can they hear your voices this morning as we pray as an army behind them? God's made mamas strong, but He didn't make them to do this alone. Amen? Men of God, will you just lift your hand this way and help me pray over these mamas today father we love you today and god i praise you and i thank you for every woman of god who stands before me this day in this altar god at different seasons and at different places in their lives they stand here today some with no children, some with children that are about to be born, some with small children, some with adult children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And God, I thank you for their lives, and I thank you for their stories, and I thank you, God, that you are an all-consuming and comprehensive God that in every one of these situations today, God, we pray that your grace and your mercy and your strength would be, would be sufficient to cover every situation for the women who stand here today, God, who are away from you and their relationship with you. I pray they'll feel the love of the Father that draws them back this morning to you. God, for those moms who stand here today and their marriage isn't what it needs to be and they're going through a difficult season, God, encourage them today to keep on and to hang on and to love their husbands and, and not let go. Lord, for women who are standing here today with financial needs for their family who maybe are single moms and they're carrying the load, God, I pray that supernatural strength, that you would stand with them and walk with them through everything that they're facing. God, I pray today for moms and grandmothers who are facing 
a surgery or a sickness that today, God, you would provide healing for them and wholeness for them and a miracle for them. And God, for whatever the need might be, Lord, if they're in a, in a place, God, that they haven't even told a friend or a husband dealing with something in their mind or their spirit, God, I just pray that you would just bring encouragement to them today and speak life into them today. I pray that they will know that they are loved and honored by you, Lord, and by this body today. And God, I thank you for them. And I just pray your blessings upon them. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this army of women and young women who stand in front of me today who are part of our church family here today. God, I thank you for their gifts and their talents and the way that you use them. And I just pray that you will continue to minister through and in them. And Lord, bless them today with an awesome and incredible and wonderful Mother's Day. Jesus, thank you. You are so good. Thank you for blessing us with great moms, great grandmas, heroes and legends of the faith who have paved the way before us. We thank you today for moms and grandmas who are with you today, who have gone on to be in heaven. And God, that your word promises us that one day we will be reunited with those who have gone before us. Lord, we honor and remember them today as well. Now, God, go with us today and bless us. And we thank you for this time we've had together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you go, moms, there's a carnation waiting for you. Just a little gift to say we love you. And uh, we also have our picture booth on the left side. Go out and get a picture with your mom and your family before you leave. God bless you, and happy Mother's Day.